Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of people from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a finance come tech guru from Cairo, Egypt, Mr. Mohammed Tesir. Mohammed, welcome to the show. Ashutosh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Mohammed is the CEO and co-founder of Singularity Finance. He's also the head of business development for Flare Networks, which is a blockchain company. So Mohammed, let's first talk about Singularity Finance. Tell me about this venture. So Singularity, uh, we're a new fintech. We uh, are pre-operations. We're going to start uh, relaunching in Egypt Within this, uh, within this quarter, uh, actually. So we're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. So Singularity focuses on financial inclusion and we focus on serving the unbanked mm-hmm. and not just unbanked people, but unbanked businesses as well. So mm-hmm. small to medium businesses and micro businesses. And when we look at the unbanked uh, in Egypt specifically and in Africa, the numbers are momentous. Mm-hmm. The market is huge and the underserved are many. And uh, of course, during those past two years of the pandemic, those shortcomings in the financial system were exponentially uh, exposed Mm -hmm. to people because not a lot of people could access financial uh, aid uh, or even their accounts during some of those like close times. So Mm -hmm. with Singularity, our focus was to create a platform that can cater to the user's needs as well as their wants in the Mm -hmm. future because everything is uh, dynamic and we always have everlasting or ever-changing needs. Mm -hmm. So Singularity, we created a full financial ecosystem. And when I say that, it's uh, it's a big claim. And to be able to do that, we create, we did we have four products actually. Okay. So our first product is a, sing- a Singularity Neo Banking app. Mm-hmm. It's Singularity Bank. Uh, it's uh, it's it's when it's launched, it will be a full digital bank. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, the Barhali platform. The Barhali is a B two B marketplace mm-hmm. that focuses on serving small to medium businesses and micro businesses. Mm-hmm. But it's also a three way connector, and so it's not just supplier and merchant, but it's also supplier merchant and financial partner or financial mm-hmm. entity mm-hmm. that would finance that trade. So we're talking about microfinance institutions, banks, uh, factoring companies, and so forth. And also, we're we're going to be engaging in Islamic finance as well. Mm. The third part is a software POS. As Mm. you know, today, hardware POSs or point-of-sale systems Mm. are dying out. Like, there is no longer a need for the hardware terminal. We all have a supercomputer called the smartphone in your hand. Correct. So most of the hardware terminal uh, uh, providers around the world, Verifone, Ingenico, Pax, uh, actually are looking towards uh, diluting their uh, hardware business and mm. focusing on getting software POSs out. So mm. it just changes that it becomes a software on your phone. So it's easily deployed, cheaper in cost and faster and just accessible. Now you don't have to worry about stock or anything. Anyone that has a smartphone mm. will have that. I think even Apple now is starting to open up some uh, of their NFC chips for 
payments and for the receiving payments as well. Specifically, they're trying out, I think, in the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. So that tells you how much the, this technology is going to be pushed forward as well. Mm-hmm. So having that part as a, uh, in there in our mix adds to our value that we can give to our clients as well as the last piece is, of course, a digital assets wallet or a digital mm. assets like custodial wallet for crypto mm. and digital assets in general. So wow. the idea is that for singularity, uh, it comes from the name. Each one of us is a singularity. You're a lot of things coming together to make you who you are. Mm. These, a lot of things have different needs. So we're focusing on your needs from a financial perspective. Mm. We're helping you manage and grow your business as well as manage your financials and grow your investments oh, wow. on a personal level or on a business level. So mm. that's in short singularity. It's it's fantastic, Mohammed. But tell me, you know, you uh, you also mentioned that uh, one of your objectives is to bank the unbanked, if I can use that term. How are you going to ensure financial inclusion through the four pillars of singularity? So. Or singularity, when we're talking about our new banking app, we're, we're looking at a model where we're going to be offering it for people for free. So mm-hmm. you just have to go through KYC and you're, you're already uh, eligible for your singularity account, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first key things. But when I think about financial inclusion personally, I don't look at it from just having a bank account. Mm-hmm. We do have a big financial literacy element as well. We're yeah. about uh, having outreach programs mm-hmm. and talking to communities and even in schools and universities, just teaching people mm-hmm. about general investment, general like financial, ter- what it is, what the financial terms are, mm-hmm. what a loan is, what credit is and so forth, because just helping people understand what the tools are will allow them to use them. Because having a bank account is not just, it's the first layer of inclusion for me. It's, it's mm. not real inclusion. Okay. Uh, when you look at Egypt here in Egypt, for instance, we have 30% of Egyptians banked, but really uh, with active bank accounts. And mm. as well as when you incorporate other metrics that mm. would have um, financial elements or tools being offered from the banks, mm-hmm. that number shrinks to less than 20%. Mm. So that tells you that even when you have a bank account, you can still be not included within the financial system that's in place. Mm. So that's one of the things that we want to focus on is really helping people get the best and the most out of what they're using when they're using Singularity and the most of their money, basically. That's amazing. You know, I think what you uh, should consider looking at is what India did seven, eight years ago, where Mm -hmm. uh, I think now almost 94 or 95% of the population has a bank account. So that also helps in government subsidies and direct benefit transfer and so on and so forth. But fantastic to see, you know, you're right. I think, I think you're right. uh, And thank you for the compliments. It's, Mm. it's really that because today in Egypt, the regulations, I think it's similar to what India was doing as well as mm-hmm. trying to get everyone within the financial system. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the drastic measures that was taken in India is when they changed the currency as well. Yeah. yeah. And that allowed for a lot of the currency that was out of circulation Correct. to come back into circulation as well. So that was Correct. one of the major moves. Correct. Correct. So I think, I think um, the government here as well is taking some uh, measures 
and has been taking some measures to allow for uh, businesses to become more formal as well as to incorporate as much businesses within the formal financial system. I think that has helped accelerate uh, the digitization of the financial sector. Yeah. Yeah. And fintech, the fintech in, in Egypt is booming uh, in general across since past two, three, three years. I think mm-hmm. even since 2018, that was really the start of like fintech and growing in the ecosystem here. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, since then, the government has been introducing a lot of new regulations to accelerate that. And in the past two years alone, adoption as well has increased. If you look at the metrics that are coming out of Egypt from Visa, uh, 690% increase in digital payments. Mm. Uh, we had an 89% increase in e-commerce platform usage of payments. Uh, nine out of 10 people are now using contactless uh, cards and using yeah. contactless yeah. payments. Wonderful. A year ago, it wasn't that wasn't there. Correct. No, so I think there's a lot of changes happening, but uh, Mohamed, let's now move on and talk about uh, blockchain. And, you know, <laughs> you're a tech guru, you're a finance guru. Uh, for my viewers and listeners, tell me about blockchain. What is a blockchain? So without any technical terms because I'm not a technical guy and I do not claim to be. I'm a, sure. I'm a business person. So I, mm-hmm. I always explain blockchain from a business perspective yep. in a very simple yep. Yep. form. Mm-hmm. So blockchain in its essence is a ledger. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a way to record uh, d- data and ownership of data. So right. essentially uh, in, if we have a big uh, piece of paper, and we all say that this piece of paper is what's going to uh, account for all of the transactions between us. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we're all going to have a copy of that paper. And when a transaction is added, you add it to your paper and you announce it to everyone so that they mm-hmm. can add it to their paper as well. Mm-hmm. And that's in essence a public blockchain where everyone is the same node and they're all able to add information mm-hmm. as well as see all of the information available on the network. Hmm. So that's in essence what a blockchain is. It's just a, okay. a distributed ledger. Wonderful. And uh, how does a blockchain increase transparency? So as you, as you saw, like from my previous uh, example, right. if we all have the, exa- the same exact piece of paper with all the information recorded on it, mm-hmm. that's transparency because that, that's what it means to have transparency. So you, hmm. Everyone is privy or has like privy the, the privilege to see all the information that's there. Hmm. And, so, I, I, yeah. and I also assume that nobody can make changes because if everyone has a copy... Well, that's inherent. I think that's inherent. Uh, I think that's one of the things that's inherent to blockchain hmm. technology that's different than a database is that you cannot amend or like change or delete data hmm. you can only like uh, uh, you can only add data and the, re- the record of the data will always stay there and you can like if there is a smart contract for instance that's deployed and it's not going to be used you will kill it Wonderful. you will not remove it you will kill it yeah. because the, the record of its existence mm-hmm. from point a to point b mm-hmm. will always remain there as mm-hmm. a report a record for as long as all of the nodes of the network are online. Wonderful. 
So, you know, continuing with your example of a big sheet of paper with everyone's uh, signature on it, one of the problems that I have often read about for blockchains is privacy and transparency. If, if 100 people have the same sheet of paper, everyone knows who's doing what. That's transparent. But what happens to my personal data? So, and I think in, in terms of like uh, technology and how it's going to be implemented, we have to look at blockchain as a tool. Mm-hmm. Blockchain is just one of the tools that we're able to use to build a full solution. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about data privacy and when we're talking about personal data, mm-hmm. I think uh, for compliance and so forth, there will be some elements that are maintained off chain and some mm-hmm. elements that are maintained on chain to preserve uh, that kind of privacy. Mm-hmm. But in in essence, <clears throat> there, if you're looking at like for the Bitcoin network, Mm-hmm. Most people that have your your public key, the public key is just a string of numbers that you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can be tracked if with a lot of like the companies today for KYC and AML checks in the crypto world, mm-hmm. there is that ability to track the wallets back to its original owner mm-hmm. through looking at the transactions since everything is public. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, if you're talking about the ability to delete information, I think that is going to be one of the things that uh, we look at, a lot of people are looking at in terms of like compliance. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, from terms of like blockchain itself, blockchain itself is a tool that allows you to permanently have a record of something without mm-hmm. the ability to delete it. Uh, even by the owner of the blockchain itself, they won't be able to delete it. Mm-hmm. So it has its own use cases. And I think one of the fallacies that people, uh, when blockchain comes up as a, as a word and as a buzzword today is blockchain is a, is a magic wand. You throw it at something, it becomes better. <laughs> <Well, well, laughs> and well, it's well. not true. Yeah, It's not yeah. true. If it's something, you can throw blockchain at something and it makes it worse. It mm-hmm. can make it, make it slower. It, it's not functional. It has, it's, it's really, it's not, it's, it's not, it's use case. So okay. I think, uh, uh, I am sure you're going to ask me that is that, the use cases of blockchain. I think this is where people can think about, okay, does this comply with personal data and mm. their compli- and the requirements there or not? And it's going to be by use case, uh, not by technology. So tell me, uh, you know, uh, since you run business development for Flare Networks, which are some of the early areas or industries which are adopting blockchain technology? Uh, I think... The financial industry, of course, mm-hmm. like finance is one of the more, the first industries that has been disrupted by blockchain. I think today we're looking at supply chain as well, global mm-hmm. supply chain. Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, identity management and we're looking at like data management and mm-hmm. secure data management in general. Uh, so I think it's not just, uh, I think today a lot of people are now understanding what blockchain is mm. uh, and what it can do uh, from a functionality perspective, not at what it is from a technical perspective only in theory, right. but what it can do and where it can be used. And I think a lot of like you have Deloitte, PwC, and a lot of the consulting firms have been doing a lot of uh, research papers mm. and mm. research reports on how to use blockchain and identity and even in in some of the government uh, government uh, like government e platforms mm-hmm. as well e government platforms, 
And I think blockchain, for instance, and identity management on a government level mm. is amazing as a tool because you as a citizen don't want anyone to be able to tamper with your personal data Correct. on a government level. Correct. So I think the blockchain uh, in some instances with government will be uh, an amazing infrastructure, infrastructure layer mm. that will allow for more uh, transparency in some instances, as well as more protection and data ownership in some other areas as well. Mm. Interesting. So, you know, Mohammed, you just mentioned that uh, uh, people have started to actually believe that the blockchain is the answer to everything, um, which is not necessarily true. Uh, based <laughs> on your experience, tell me what are some of the vulnerabilities or challenges of blockchains? So today, a lot of like the, the, one of a lot of the things that are being tackled specifically with like what we're trying to do with Flare as well is um, multi-chain inter interoperability mm -hmm. and having interoperability between those uh, blockchains and the data that are that exist on those blockchains. Mm -hmm. Because as of today. I'm not saying like, like really that there's, they're siloed, but mm. they're to some sense, they're not interoperable in, in the sense of what blockchain and decentralization mean. Mm -hmm. You rely on third parties and bridges and, and so forth to be able to, uh, to have that kind of like migration of mm. value from one blockchain to the other. So I think uh, interoperability and I think as well, really thinking about the access to talent as well. Mm. Uh, in today's world, if you're looking to start and building your own team and you're going to be building your own uh, project, mm. it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's Correct. tough looking Correct. because everyone today is, uh, if it was two years ago, people were laid back. A lot of developers had time. A lot of people like had time to work on something. Mm. But today, everyone around the world are, is facing the same problems. Everyone has had projects in the pipeline mm -hmm. and they want to implement it now. <laughs> now. Really? Like it's not like in two days, not in two months. No, now they want mm -hmm. it now. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's one of the, these are, I think, one of the biggest challenges today. It's uh, with the technology itself. I'm not going to say that it's not there yet. It is there to some level of institutional use case. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, and it is ready for some terms of like mass adoption. It, uh, it will depend on the application itself. Mm -hmm. And even the vulnerabilities that would exist from a technology standpoint would rely on more technical questions on mm -hmm. how you're deploying, mm -hmm. uh, which blockchain are you using, uh, your, your smart contracts themselves, mm -hmm. uh, the architecture of the smart contracts themselves. Right. So anything, any vulnerability that actually comes with using software Mm -hmm. exists with using blockchain mm -hmm. and there are best practices that are that are out there and there are ways to counteract for like this mm -hmm. but because when you're looking at a, a full system it's not just blockchain there is human element as well and you understand sometimes we make mistakes like Correct. the Correct. users the end user themselves yeah. would mm -hmm. make mistakes some people like you've seen people on Twitter who be like, yes, I, someone pinched me and they, they took, I shared my seed friends. Yes. Well, no company in the world can fortify against a user sharing their own seed friends. Yes. Yeah, yes. This is a well human said. fault. Well said. Well so said. it's, 
the vulnerabilities exist everywhere. So. I agree. So, uh, Mohammed, I have time for one more question. And I've tried to decide what to ask, but I think I'll ask you about blockchain. How are you, you seeing the use of blockchain for uh, governments? Um, I think blockchain for government is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, blockchain infrastructure is going to be required by governments in the future. Mm-hmm. You already see governments around the world looking at blockchain, Dubai, I think uh, India, here in Egypt as well, blockchain is welcome. Mm-hmm. Not cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrencies are completely illegal mm-hmm. in Egypt. Yeah. But uh, blockchain as a technology, I see it as an infrastructural layer that would allow for a multiple uh, use cases to exist, specifically around identity management, around uh, secure or records uh, and around the financial system, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk and the registry system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so identity comes for me, uh, includes your uh, national ID, your mm-hmm. social insurance card, your driver's license. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about registration, I, will, I mean land registry, your assets in general, registration, mm-hmm. copyrights, uh, as well as notary services uh, mm-hmm. as well. Oh. Uh, I look at uh, I I look at medical records, uh, so um, patient records and healthcare uh, specifically. So all of those will need an, a, a layer of information that is shared between all of those apps, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that layer, when it is on a blockchain layer, and mm-hmm. you as a user have a way to interact with that blockchain layer, and you own your own data. and allows for multi-signature, allows for a lot of use cases to exist that allows for more control, more transparency, and transparency not necessarily that you're privy to the information, but more transparency on terms of how they're using your information and Mm. the ownership of your data and the flow of that. Any changes will have to require your signature as well as the, the ease Like one, I think uh, I will close with one simple example that will Mm -hmm. show what I mean. Yeah. When you change your legal, when someone changes their legal name, Mm -hmm. they have to go to each financial institution Mm -hmm. and to submit a letter to telling them that this person that you used to have with XYZ is now called ABC. And that's the letter from the government that says so. Mm -hmm. And you you don't do it with one. You do it with every single institution that you're dealing with. And mm-hmm. it's a headache. It's a hassle. So imagine if you had a blockchain mm-hmm. where everyone else is going into and you just change your name there with the government mm-hmm. as you did. And it's legally changed there. When they go to verify through the platform, they mm-hmm. find it there. And it's just automatic. You don't mm-hmm. have to notify anyone. Yeah. You don't have to do anything else. Mm-hmm. That's one of the simplest ways to showcase what a blockchain infrastructure in identity would allow people to have. It's just the ease of easing a service for people as well as making it easier to notify everyone else later on. That's within itself a great use case. Yeah, what a great example. What a great example. Uh, Mohammed, on that note, uh, thank you so much for speaking to me. Uh, thank you for talking to me about singularity finance, the four pillars of singularity, 
Thank you for talking to me about blockchains, flare networks, and there's so many different aspects of blockchain, which I learned new things from you today, and I'm sure my, my audience did as well. Uh, good luck with your launch of Singularity. Um, Thank you. When you're, when you're ready, maybe you know in my season four or season five, we'll talk again on the successes of Singularity. But thank you again and good luck. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, it was just amazing uh, being here. And thank you for the great compliments on uh, Singularity. I hope, I hope you had a, a nice time with uh, the blockchain element that I had to share with you. And with uh, Flare, I will tell you this. I will uh, encourage you to look at Flare as well as a, as a project. Mm -hmm. uh, because it is a very interesting project. It's the first uh, federated Byzantine agreement or FBA touring complete network, which means we have smart contracts. And we are today one of the most, if not the most publicly supported blockchain project in the world, Touchwood. So I would encourage people to go and check out our Twitter. It's at Flare Networks or our website. It's flare.xyz to mm -hmm. see what we're doing and to be part of it. Uh, it's a very growing community, very well supported, and we're we're happy to have everyone. So wonderful! Thank you. Again. Thank you for having me again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.